The Profit Constructors presents Construction Junction, the junction between accounting and construction. Please welcome our host, Tanya Schulte. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the Construction Junction podcast. I'm Tanya Schulte, your host, and I am so glad to have you guys all joining us again for another edition of the Construction Junction podcast. Today, we're bringing yet another subject that I absolutely am excited to talk about in terms of what uh, folks who are advisors in the construction industry and construction company owners should be thinking about and talking about. And today's topic is IT, like IT services and being proactive um, in who you bring on, thinking through who you vet to be your IT professional, what uh, information and knowledge do they have and what are they bringing to the table? And also, um, how do we go about, um, you know, understanding that what they're doing is, is actually helpful, right? Like sometimes it's hard to understand if professionals that we've hired are doing the job that we've hired them to do. So today we're going to be talking to Andrew Lassis with Rush Tech. And we're also going to be talking to Monique Swanson with Automated Accounting Services about um, IT services, how important they are, and um, how you as a construction company owner should be thinking about them in your business. And I will say too, because this podcast is for construction company advisors like myself as well, that um, I'm always on the lookout for other professionals that serve the construction industry that I would be happy to uh, refer my clients to. So um, if you fall into that construction company advisor category, A, you'll probably get some, some, some things out of this in terms of your own IT, but also it's a great thing to be thinking about like who are the other professionals that I'm bringing to the table for my clients and is there a way that I can help them understand more about this? So I can't wait to get into the conversation. Uh, let's just go ahead and dive in and I'll be right back right after this and we'll introduce our first guest. If you would like to share your company or product on the Construction Junction, email hello at theprofitconstructors.com to become a sponsor. Welcome to our podcast, Andrew. It's so great to have you here. We're talking with Andrew Lassis of Rush Tech. Did I say your last name correctly, Andrew? You did, even without like a pre before this, like prompting of, okay, it's like Lassis, like, like La Stop, like. You, you're right on top of things. Awesome. So I do have um, a, an affinity for language. I love different languages. So I kind of can pick up on things like that, but every once in a while I get stumped. So I'm glad I got this one right. Nailed it. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I would like to find out more about Rush Tech in general, your company. Um, tell us kind of how was Rush Tech born? How did you decide that you wanted to create Rush Tech? So ever since we'll, we'll go back in high school, I kind of had that entrepreneurial bug. I was in a band and we were playing a bunch of shows and stuff. And um, one thing led to another and I was, I was famous for like a day. And so we, we had sold a bunch of CDs and, um, and like my brain, it clicked from, oh, I enjoy playing music too. Like, I like making money too. So let's 
find a way to monetize the band. And so like, I stopped even focusing on like the music and it was like, how do we market this? How do we promote this? And so I've had that entrepreneurial bug and, um, that was kind of just rooted in me at a young age. So like, I was probably the only 16 year old that was like, and I mean, this was, you know, early two thousands. So, um, before like SEO was a thing that was, that was what I was, um, focusing a lot of time into. And, um, so I had gotten a job working at an IT company and had worked my way up the ranks. And it was a small startup when it first started. And then it like exploded overnight. So it went from like 10 employees and I joined when there were maybe a hundred. And then like shortly after that, there were like 500 employees and no one had any idea what they were doing. So I just promoted myself through the lack of communication between the, um, the departments. And so I just moved from like a low level technician. I just told my boss, yeah, the other boss said that now I work in escalations because I just enjoyed what I was doing. So I just worked my way up the system and a uh, friend had reached out and he said, Hey, we're starting up a tech company. We want you to run the tech department. And I was like, and eh, no, that's, it's scary. I don't really, you know, I've got a really good thing at this place. I just gave myself a bunch of promotions. I wasn't getting paid more, but I, you know, I, I see a big future here and, you know, the startup, it's risky. And then, so at the time I was like 26 and I was like, you're 26. You've barely got any life overhead. I didn't have wife and kids like I do now. I didn't have a mortgage. So it was like the worst thing that could happen. Say I jump into this and it fails. I could move back in with my parents if the worst thing happened. So let's do it. Let's roll the dice. And that company went out of business in three months. So I was stuck with the decision of where do we go from here? And the, what ended up happening? I mean, that company was pretty successful despite itself. Like they managed to get 500 customers in a very, very short period of time. It was just run very, very poorly. So they, um, I made an agreement with the owner and I said, those 500 customers, they all knew who Andrew was. Like they called the company and Andrew picked up the phone. So I said, look, I'll work for you for free for the next two months. You keep collecting the residuals. And then just after two months, if the phone rings, I will just update their billing information to what is now Rush Tech Support. And so that was the start of it. And then I had a friend that was like, you know, instead of sitting around waiting, for people, you've got a list of 500 people, you could maybe reach out to them. And then it started growing and snowballing from there. And it's, it's been a very, very crazy ride. Like my, my goal, 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 like starting out, I was like, maybe someday I could get like 300 clients, like all time, like that would be the like pinnacle of everything. And, and <laughs> considering even like the one-offs were like over 25,000 now. So like, yeah. it's, I, I would have sold myself short if I had gotten what I, what I asked for. I've been very, very fortunate in the last uh, few years. It's always interesting, right? Like you said these, wow, I, I don't know if I could ever achieve that kind of goal. And then when you bust through and then you can do it again, and then you bust through, it's so cool to, to watch the growth and just think, what was I thinking back then? Right? <laughs> yeah. And I think if I knew what I know now, like just of how hard it would be and how much work and how much stress, like not knowing whether or not that would have been successful. I don't think I would have 
done it again, like putting myself in the position, knowing what I was getting into. Like I had an assumption that it was going to be way harder than it looked. So it didn't look that difficult, like watching the guy from the old company. And I was like, I, you know, I see you do this. This is not a smart thing. This is not a smart business decision. Like the 16 year old me doing band stuff could tell you that. But so, so I was like, I know it'll be harder than it looks. And it's a lot harder, (laughs) much, much, much harder when, when everything rises and falls on you. But it's also very rewarding when you get the, when you get the wins. Absolutely. And I think um, that's a great segue to kind of what we want to talk about for this podcast, because um, you know, this is geared towards like accountant advisors who are advising in the construction space, but also construction company owners, right? And uh, all of our clients, for the most part, are small enough businesses where we're still dealing directly with the owners. I think you are a lot of times, your clients are business owners. Um, and a huge part of what we try to address in this particular podcast is what is it that you as a business owner don't know, and you never know what you don't know, that could come back around and be a huge problem, right? So like, um, maybe from the contractor's point of view, but just even from an overall business owner's point of view, what do you think is like the number one reason that people should be aware of and have some IT protection? And obviously I'm crazy biased because that's literally my profession, right? It's like asking, that's why like, you're here. That's why right, here. right. But I mean, it's, if, if you look at you, if, if you're driving a car, and you go around saying to everyone, I don't have insurance. I don't have insurance. It's like, and, and then you don't get into an accident for years, right? And you're the person that's saying, I don't waste my money on insurance. I never needed it. I've never been in an accident. And we see that a lot of times on the IT side where not everybody is in a proactive mindset. Usually people will come to us where something terrible happened and they didn't have the proper things in place ahead of time. And usually when they come to us, it's either a perfect situation or a nightmare situation. It's either we want to make sure we're protected. So give us what we need so that God forbid anything happens. We've got an undo button. We've got a second parachute. We've got the metaphorical insurance just in case, because nobody wakes up and is like, today, I'm going to really mess up my company. I'm going to get everything encrypted on purpose and lose years and years of business. Yeah. So, so nobody's ever intentionally doing that. And the people that, that are good enough to be dangerous don't realize that they are good enough to be dangerous. They falsely believe that they are good enough because the dangerous thing hasn't happened yet. So having an IT professional that's seen backwards and forwards, like it's, it's good from a storytelling perspective. So I can have clients understand what can happen to them. And I'm not just speaking from, I read this blog post about this guy this one time, but I'm usually, and as sad as it is, I'm usually sharing anecdotes of we onboarded this customer recently who was dealing with this nightmare scenario. Like we recently had a fairly well-known organization come to us saying this has to remain hush, hush. Everything has been encrypted. What do we do? And I say, well, 
you restore it from the backup is what you do, but I'm assuming you're coming to me because that doesn't exist. And they're like, well, we thought it did the millennial in the office. He told us everything was good, but, and you know, he's been doing a great job for the last five years, but this one's just really got him stumped. And I'm like, that's, that's kind of how it goes, right? Like everyone's great until they're not great. And that's really where you need the expertise. But so much of what we do is in the front end, making sure that the bad things don't happen. So in that same scenario, you know, hypothetically, had they used us and a month beforehand, this disaster that they're dealing with now, and they're dealing with like ransom and, and it's, it's a really bad situation. It, it, they were using a company like us or just any IT company that really goes above on the, the front end stuff. It would be worst case scenario, like losing one day of productivity of clicking undo and we had to use a gapped backup that happened at midnight the night before and we lost that entire day. So it's like a really inconvenient day of lost productivity versus, and they're talking to me eight days in, no end in sight, can't get anything done. They're afraid of telling their clients, they're afraid of, and it's, it's a, it's a very, very sticky situation. Yeah, we have a client, uh, a construction client, um, who called us one day in a bit of a panic and said, we just need to let you guys know because, you know, we're coming in and doing work on them through cloud-based systems. And so they were saying, we just need to let you guys know um, our internal systems here at our location were hacked overnight. Um, our T guys isolated it down. There was like Russian hackers, basically. But uh, what you're saying is what happened for them. There was about one day of lost work while their IT guy got in, got everything fixed, got the hackers out, got, but they had the protection in place ahead of time. And yes, it was a hassle. It was annoying. They had to let us know, but they also knew that they had the right protection in place. One of the things that you said earlier, Andrew, I want to kind of go back to it a little bit because it was, I, I feel like we could dive in here a little bit more. Um, you, you used the terms like having an undo button and having that parachute. And then you've also talked about proactive. So you guys can help in reactive and proactive situations, right? Yeah. Most people, when they think of IT, they think of it in that traditional reactive scenario of it's running slow. I can't access my email. This isn't working. I click this button and it doesn't do what I think that it's supposed to be doing. So most people traditionally will think of IT companies in that reactive model of it's broken and I need someone to fix it. And the the there's there's two big issues with that model. And obviously, you know, we'll we'll preface everything with I'm extremely biased in like how we do things, but I think it's with good reason. So in the reactive model, for instance, actually this happened earlier today with a, um, a carpentry uh, client that we have, they do door installations Mm -hmm. and they have this issue where every time they click Chrome, something doesn't happen. And the way to solve it, you have to do this reinstall Uh, my text no more than I do. So like, I'm, (laughs) I'm just kind of going off of like, (laughs) like, I don't feel right saying to him, like, dude, tone it down. I don't know what (laughs) these words mean, (laughs) but, but basically, so if we were in a reactive bill, as you go model, every time that that problem happens, 
we get paid. So, right. so I mean, is there a long-term solution? Whether or not there is or not, it's not really beneficial for me to try to solve that problem permanently because I make money every time the problem comes back. So if anything, you know, my, my intentions aren't, or my billing model isn't necessarily aligned in what's best for the customer. Mm -hmm. So with a proactive plan, like we have in this exact scenario is what happened. He was tired of getting these tickets over and over. We don't make more because of it. So it's just annoying for him to have to do his job. So he went and wrote a script, basically like made a program for this company to run that anytime the problem happens in the future, they just click this button and it will fix everything for them. So they have less downtime and he has less work to do. So like the best tech is like a lazy tech that knows how to script things and get it done. But so he wants less work on his plate, but that'll only happen if the client's uptime is improved. So he'll take the extra hour or two it took to write that script and then show them how to use it so that moving forward, this problem that's happened three times that was eating up our time and slowing down the client in that reactive model. Now we give them the solution because it's better for them. They don't have to call, make a ticket, yada, yada, yada. And it's better for us because our client's uptime is improved. So, so when you're billing on like a basically like retainer basis, it's in our best interest to always have the client's uptime be as much as possible because it's, it's a headache for us. Well, headache's not the right word, but it's more work for us to have to do the reactive work if, than it is if we put the proactive measures in place mm -hmm. and stop the problems from happening in the first place. Yeah, so absolutely. that's, that's kind of the proactive versus reactive. Almost, why would go. I've been hearing a lot in uh, professional services circles about having like a concierge model, right? Where like, you're going to take care of that problem. You guys took care of that problem regardless. But the idea behind that concierge model is you guys are there, you're available. Um, but your billing reflects the value that you're bringing to the client, um, not necessarily the billable hours model of work, right? So it's like you're you're bringing a whole lot of value. The customer's getting their problems solved, but you guys are again proactively taking care of of that for the client. And there's a lot of a lot of things that go on in the background on any computer on any system that we're patching in the background. Like we have remote monitoring software. So think of like a, um, you know, a, you go to the doctor for a checkup, right. And they tell you your blood pressure is high. And because your blood pressure is high, that could lead to problems X, Y, and Z. Meanwhile, you're sitting there. I don't feel like my blood pressure is high. It's like, well, you can't feel that it's, you know, that's what these tools are designed to do. So we can see the indicators of this could be happening in the future. What do we do now to stop it from turning into something mm -hmm. in the future? And again, in the, the proactive model versus reactive, we'll get, we'll get an alert ticket on our side. And, you know, it's, it isn't affecting the client at this time, but if it's something that we keep seeing over and over and over, we can address it and fix it before it becomes anything. And we can, for lack of better words, take our time with the tickets and do them in the order that they come in 
versus reactive when someone's calling you, everything is on fire and they need it fixed right now. Right. Whereas if it's ahead of time and they weren't feeling the pain points that come from it anyway, it gives us the ability really to scale and help more people. Because if I notice there is an issue that we know the surface level, like the symptom isn't showing itself, mm -hmm. but the indicators are saying that this is potentially going to happen. If we handle it in the next five minutes, or if we handle it tomorrow, if the symptom hasn't come up, it's not affecting the user and we can get a lot more work done on the back end. just do this ticket, do this ticket when every ticket is not a life ending emergency. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's a similar model. It's what we're trying to build out for our clients on the accounting side as well, right? Like uh, we have the saying around our team, there are no accounting emergencies. <laughs> um, no one's going to die if the bank reconciliation didn't happen today. But we do also try to take that proactive approach and make sure that all the information's entering the system at the right time so that at the end of the month, we can meet deadlines and have the bank reconciliation happen on time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, one thing I wanted to definitely touch base on uh, for sure, because I think this is where so many people fall short in a lot of areas when they're seeking out professional services like this. How would you recommend that uh, people vet their possible potential IT providers? So I love this question because it's the same way with accountants, contractors, basically anything that you are hiring someone that knows more than you. It's every person knows this much. And for the audio, I'm putting my hand about halfway through the screen. So nice. anybody that knows an ounce more than you is an expert. So you don't know, you can't gauge how good they are because you don't have the know-how to be able to poke holes and find, you know, if, if you knew more than them, you wouldn't be asking them. And right. so- in our field and similar with accounts, similar with any sort of contractor service, going through referrals who have worked with someone is a very good indicator of at least I have, I have experience with these people and sharing with them, here was a time where we had a hiccup and here is what they did when this hiccup occurred, because it's kind of like, if, if you're cooking and you're using a recipe and you're reading it for the first time, you can, you can probably put it together and, you know, get, get a good enough chicken Parmesan. We'll go back to my life in Carabas, <laughs> but the guy that's worked there for 10 years, making 8,000 chicken Parmesans, he's following the same recipe, but he knows the little details. He's going to make it better every single time because there's experience, but you can't really find that out until for lack of better words, it's too late. You will find out if they were doing a good job when you get ransomware and whether or not you're able to survive the next day, or if you have to negotiate with, with hackers, like yeah. that's kind of where it comes down to. So vetting an IT and just in general work speaking to multiple people that have worked with them and not only just the 
here's my list of references. Cause it's like, are you going to put the bad references on there? Cause like everybody has times where things don't go hundred percent according to plan, but is there remediation to your fault? See you later. Or do they do something about it? Because that's also what's going to matter in a, in a world where you can't really tell how good they are. And we've replaced other IT companies where we look at what was in place. We're like, these guys are really, really smart when it comes to IT things. Like I see what they did here. They followed best practices here. They could have taken this shortcut and I see that they didn't. As an IT professional, I respect that, yada, yada, yada. But the client's like, yeah, but he talks down to me. He's condescending. I don't like the work that he does. I don't like dealing with that person. And so being able to speak with people that have had numerous experiences and not just the, we just signed up with them and they're great. Of course they are. It's like, it's, it's usually when they are, right? Like everyone puts their best foot forward, but the, the long-term people, I think is a good, a good rule of thumb, not just in IT, but really any professional services. I think that's a great point. Are there any other, um, you know, things to avoid. Is there something you think of that if an IT person says this, run the other way? <laughs> well, I mean, we have like a very concentrated focus with accountants, but just by virtue of who they deal with, we get a lot of non-accountant referrals in our um, client database as well. And so just this one applies to accountants in general. It's something that's been coming more and more often. Um, the, the IRS and FTC and AICPA have pretty black and white, like you do need this, you do need this, you do need this. And we've had IT people from other companies that are speaking to us. They say, you don't need to do that. That's not, that's not important. That's never going to happen to you. And they are absolutely right. It'll never happen to them until it does happen to them. And then you've got a really big problem on your hand. So if you're looking at something that's just like a black and white compliance and the guy is telling you that that's, that doesn't apply to you, that's been my most recent red flag is when I'm not really arguing. Like I don't really fight to, yeah. to make people do business with me, but I, it's like, well, my IT guy says that, that I don't need this. And it's like, I mean, <laughs> He, he's wrong. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, he's just, that is not in, that is not correct information. Like he's allowed to have an opinion, but it's just not accurate information. Like here's the publication that says you need it. So it's, it's not even me trying to sell you on getting extra services. It's just, this is what publication XYZ from the IRS says that you need. I think that's an important point again, like across the board when dealing with professional services that at the end of the day, as a business owner, regardless of if you know how to put the IT in place, it's still incumbent on you to know what are the regulatory bodies that you're required to be following their regulations and then seeking out the proper, you know, professional service providers that understand those regulations and can put those things into place. So um, I think that's, again, I think that's something that a lot of busy business owners don't think about in terms of compliance across the board in a lot of different professional service areas. I know we see that a lot in accounting as well. Like they've never taken the time to consider in what areas do I need to be compliant? And am I even reaching out to see if I am from a professional service person? And, and I mean, like the, the 
honest truth of like the IT world is, do you have to specialize in order to be successful at it? I mean, there's plenty of people that service and can service a bunch of different industries. And I mean, that is like, we have a ton of accountant clients, but we have a ton of residentials. We have a ton of lawyers. We have a ton of contractors. We have all different walks of life and their standard best practices that anybody can follow and anybody can benefit from. But when you really, really, really dig into here is a box that most people do not know that you need to have checked mm -hmm. your current person. They did not inform you of this because it's not their job to inform you of where you need to be compliant and B, you never mentioned to them to look into this. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing, you know, October is when um, like PTIN renewals start happening and people need to have a data security plan and no other IT, P P no IT person knows what a PTIN is. We do because it gets shoved down our throat, but like regular people don't know what a prepared um, tax identification number is. Like, yeah. why would they? unless they have a hundred accountants yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that are all like, Hey, it said that I need a data security plan. What does that mean? Right. So these, these things that are okay. It's checking one box on one form, but someone comes knocking and you don't have it. Who, who are they going to blame? Um, my contractor that doesn't specialize in this stuff. Didn't tell me that I needed to do that. Nope. Unfortunately it falls on you at the end of the day on the business owner. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andrew. I want to uh, bring in someone else that's going to uh, kind of uses your services and I have some more questions for her. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and have her join us. Hey, are you an accountant or bookkeeper in deep on the construction industry niche? Or maybe you're just thinking about throwing your hat in the ring. We here at Construction Junction also host a roundtable over at Roundtable Labs just for construction types like you. This isn't a workshop or seminar. Instead, we dive deep into the issues faced in this niche and the firms that serve them. We tackle topics together by crowdsourcing our experiences and areas of expertise. We also support each other when things get tough. Think of it as a cross between a mastermind and support group for financial types that you didn't know you needed. So if you're looking to build better construction clients as you build a better accounting business, give us a try. Welcome back, Andrew. Thanks again so much for being here uh, with us, Andrew from Rush Tech. And now we're also um, bringing in Monique Swanson. Monique, tell us uh, the name of your business, and I'd like to hear a little bit more about how your business came to be as well. Sure. The name of my business is Automated Accounting Services, and we are a outsourced accounting firm for small businesses. And when I say outsourced, I don't mean we outsource to foreign countries. I mean, we are a service provider um, that is outside of your company. So uh, the meat and potatoes of the service that we offer is an outsourced controller model. Nice. So for people who may not understand what that means, like what is an outsourced controller model? What does it, what would an outsourced controller basically be in charge of or help you do within your business? So a controller is the person who's going to oversee all of the accounting functions from the very basic data entry level right up through um, month-end close, financial statements, 
uh, and accruals and, and allocations, if that applies to your business. And you have a whole team that helps you do that for your clients across the We board. do. We do have a whole team, right? We work in a pod. Usually there's three people assigned to each client. They're the same three folks. So um, you don't get bounced around, but yeah, there are three people assigned. I love that model too, the whole pod model that you guys have. I think that's fantastic because some, and nothing wrong with it. Some uh, other accounting firms have like one person that you're assigned to, and that's great, but it helps to have that three person, three pronged approach. If someone has to be out on vacation, your client still knows that they have other people that they can reach out to and get some answers and help. That's true. That's true. So the lead bookkeeper is, I would say, the day to day contact. And then there's an accounting manager, uh, and then there's the controller assigned. So there's always three people that, you know, the client feels like they can escalate if they need to, but hopefully they're um, in tune with their lead bookkeeper and they're having good conversations there. I love that. I love the model. Yeah. Uh, cool. So before you engaged with Rush Tech, did, was there anything that made you hesitate about engaging with them? No. No, I don't think there was anything that made me hesitate about engaging with them. It was a step to add an out, you know, a service provider for IT. It was something probably that had been on my list for a while. <laughs> There's a few other things on my list, but that was something that had been on my list for a while. And our team is remote and virtual. So every time a new member came in, I would be outfitting them with a computer and then I would be the one having them set up everything. And so I'm happy to have that outsourced to somebody <laughs> like Andrew at Rush Tech and his team. So now, you know, I send out the computer directly to, to the team member's address and they call Rush Tech and they get help setting up and they get all the security protocols they need from the get-go, which is so great. Before you engaged with Rush Tech, how confident were you that whatever it was you were setting up on the computers was really safe? Were you fairly confident in that? Or is it just that you just wanted to outsource the task of doing that? So I do have some security rules, which I've gone through with Andrew. I'm a little bit, so I do have, we did have a protocol but I only know, like he said, this much. So I know enough to just try and keep us out of the very deep trouble and not enough to really, and who has the time, right? <laughs> I'm busy doing other things. So just like people need us, we need other service professionals in our firms to help us in, in, the, in the tasks that we don't know as much about, right? Yeah, I think that's a great point. So, you know, you and I, Monique, share that same um, aspect of being a business owner who's an outsourced service provider for other business owners. And that is something that you and I both talk about in our marketing, right? Like, you're very busy doing other aspects of your business. Let us take this on. And so I think that's a, a really important point here. Like, uh, not only are you very busy, but there are some things that you might not know <laughs> about what needs to be done in this area, whether it's compliance, like we uh, talked about at the end of the last segment with uh, Andrew, or whether it is um, you know, just something that you don't know about best practices that you might want to put in place that's maybe never been in place. Um, so what benefits do you feel like you've gained from uh, working with RushTech? Inherently, I gained some peace of mind. So that is a great thing. I've gotten some time back 
if I need, you know, so I no longer need to deal with anybody's IP emergency <laughs> in the team, which is great. They have a, a number to call, they have a contact, they have, they have what they need to get their problem resolved. So yeah, peace of mind and some time. And plus, you know, everybody knows what they need to do. And it's one less thing I have to manage. So. Yeah. I love the piece that you said about uh, time, gaining time back, because I know like for our team, same thing. I was always the one like handling IT issues. Right? It's so nice now to be like, I don't know, put in a rush tech ticket. I, <laughs> you're going to have to go deal with Andrew and his team. I do that with my employees too. Like I have a new one that like he messaged me. He's like, I have a problem with my computer. I was like, tell the text. I don't have time for this. <laughs> ticket, dude. That's fantastic. Um, so I would like to hear from your perspective too, Monique. Like, what do you think is the number one reason? And let's take it all the way down. Cause I know that you work with construction uh, companies as well. Monique. We do. So, yeah. A wide variety of what they do and don't have in place when it comes to IT. Um, and just like everything else that we ever deal with um, in that industry, there's, I keep using this phrase over and over, but it's so true. You don't know what you don't know. And there's so much that uh, busy construction owners are just like, well, we'll get to that a different day. That's not really important for today. I have so many other things on my plate. But Monique, what do you think is the number one reason why in the construction industry, people should be focused on this and making sure that they're getting good IT services? Well, the number one reason is the reason that we all need this is because there's never been a time <laughs> when having unsecure information in the you know out there in the atmosphere is any more dangerous than it is today. And the construction companies and their employees, their team members, are not always working from an office in a building where there may be some secure protocols in place. Oftentimes they're on the road. They're maybe on some transient <laughs> IP address or they're on some you know, Xfinity internet. So they really need to have a VPN. They need to have these, these steps in place, all of the things that they can't even have, that they haven't even really thought through yeah. completely before they need it. This is one of those things where you really need to say, how much do I know about this? How much am I at risk potentially? And if you don't know the answer to that, then you're at risk. <laughs> right. so, so there is no better time to think about it. It's right. not gonna get less um, difficult to stay safe. It's gonna get more difficult to stay safe. You're gonna need a whole team of people to know what it takes to stay safe and do that behind the scenes for you, so. What a fantastic point and good talking point. Uh, Andrew, I'd like to hear your feedback on what something that Monique just said, which is you need a, you really need a whole team of people, right? Like we find with our clients, let's take, for, if we just move away from IT for just a second, we find clients who grow to a certain point where they really um, have to hire someone internally for human resources, right? Like there's a point at which any growing company, and I feel like healthy companies are growing companies, any growing company reaches a point where they just cannot live without somebody in place in certain aspects. And for IT, the idea that I might just hire an internal one person to do IT really might not fit the bill. So one of the things that you guys bring to the table, right, Andrew, is a team of people. 
Yeah, the the internal IT person, it's it's a very difficult hire because if you're going to hire the internal IT person that frankly, if your company is at the level that they are considering hiring a full-time IT professional like strictly for them, you're starting 75, 80,000 plus PTO, insurance, blah, 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 blah. They get emergencies. Then you have one person with the keys to the castle that hopefully, and then we'll, we'll just say in a perfect scenario, that person knows what they are doing. And a lot of the software that we use and a lot of the vendors that we use, it's very expensive upfront and it's designed for managed service providers. So even though we're spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on remote management software, that's okay because we have thousands of clients that you know are paying for that. But if it's internal, so you've got this person that's very expensive on salary and one person that has all the keys to the castle, they're in a car accident and now you have nothing because you sent it to that one person. There's a lot of potential downfalls that could come with that, even in a perfect scenario where they do a great job. And then you've also got the other part of a lot of the work that you're paying that new person for is going to be the upfront work. Mm -hmm. So if they want job security, kind of back to the reactive model, if they don't, if they don't feel like they're getting anything from you, you're a very expensive hire that now is on the chopping block. So it's in your employees. I don't know if that's the, the right word, but if things are not ever breaking yeah. and they're saying, well, it's because I set proactive measures in place. And it's like, well, so if we fire you and we just keep paying for the things that you set up, yeah. then, then we'll, we'll figure it out. So there's a lot of, a lot of things that can go wrong. And we had an internal IT person um, for what we were dealing with just to, you know, put at the level that we, um, when we were in the offices um, a couple, a couple years ago, during a huge phase of uh, merger acquisition and growth and our internal person, we had that conversation with him of, we know a lot about this stuff but you know so much. And I had sat down with him and I was just, just show me your day to day. And I was like, what is this world that, that you're working on? I mean, I thought, I thought eight years ago when I had started rush that I knew everything. And then this conversation was maybe like four or five years ago. And that blew my brain. And, and now we're doing more than what that person was doing at that time. We just weren't at that level at that time. But having that one point of failure, because with, with contractors, and I mean, we follow a ton of best practices. We've got all this documentation. So, I mean, I'm not like encouraging people to, you know, drop us for somebody else, but, you know, I, we're not going to be malicious. Like we will hand over the documentation and say, you know, okay, you're no longer with us. We'll part ways. 
here's, here is everything that you need to not call us again and, you know, best wishes. So if you have it internal, their documentation for one person is also it's all in their head. Yeah. So they really, it's a, it's a dangerous move that most people just don't take into consideration. And you never hire someone thinking this won't work well, you know, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing too, like with those internal hires, that's another thing that back to the whole team aspect of you guys having a team, Monique, you and I have the same thing. Like we are involved in accounting and are vetting our teams based on good accounting principles. Whereas owners of other businesses and other industries don't know accounting as well. They don't know IT as well. So how much harder it is for them to vet an accountant for an internal hire or vet an IT person for an internal hire. Whereas Andrew and Monique in our professional services areas were much more able to understand, does this person really have accounting chops? You know, just because they have 15 years of experience, where does that experience lie? What have they done? What exactly have they entered into QuickBooks? And, were, and do they know what the word reconciliation means? I would like to hear from both of you. Monique, let's start with you um, as kind of like a last um, thing still. So what would you say to someone who's still kind of hesitant or not really seeing the need for IT services at their company? I, I would use the same, the same sort of knowledge that I use for selling my own services. And to, to the point of like an internal hire, you don't know if that internal hire is going to be a continual learner. You don't know if they're going to continue to, uh, you know, move forward. Are they going to become stagnant? Is their knowledge going to become obsolete? You need to have somebody who's handling those really important parts of your business in the highest level of continual learning. So that as technology changes, which happens every second of every day, um, and other things, parameters around your business change, that they're growing and moving with you. And sometimes internal hires can be very stagnant when it comes to that. Yeah. I, I say hire a professional. To Andrew's point earlier, if you only know this much about something and you need a better level of knowledge, then outsource it and hire a professional to, to handle it for you. There are many services where you're gonna need an internal hire, but I think IT services is not one of them. And I also feel like your accounting function, your accounting department function, unless you're ready to hire three, four, five people, outsourcing, <laughs> outsourcing can be a great alternative for you. Yeah, Andrew? For the, the people that are hesitant on it and just sort of the the way that that I present it, I've, I've, we've been fortunate enough that I'm not in the spot where I need to be a pushy salesman to force somebody to get something that they're not ready for, or that. Can I just say, know. hopefully you're never in that spot. Like, yeah, but <laughs> it's like, sell themselves. right. The, the like first couple months though, where it's like, why did I take this on to not make any money? And then someone's like, I'll think about it. And it's like, no, you're not allowed to think about it. You need to do it now. I you get hacked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the people that are still hesitant about it, I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where you, you won't be ready until you're ready, but you know, just from so much that, that we've talked about here about, 
you don't know what you don't know. And it is one of those services that you can tell yourself, well, I've never needed it because I haven't felt the repercussions of doing it. So just like eating a cheeseburger for every single meal, it's like, I don't get heart attacks. It's like, you haven't yet. That's, that's an accurate thing, but you continue down this path and something inevitably will happen. And if you don't have the right things in place before it happens, all that money you saved by not being proactive, I can tell you firsthand experience from a lot of the people that we work with. And it's not even in a, you're punished for not being proactive, but so much work goes into something catastrophic has happened. And now we have to punch 30, 40 hour projects to get you back to where if you were a client one month ago, we would click undo and you wouldn't even be talking to us. So all the money saved is, is negated anyway, plus and the headache of dealing with it. I'm sure that feels punitive to the folks that have had to live through that. So I know like you said, right. we're trying to punish them, but I'm sure at that point that that's, they're feeling their own punishment at that point and understand. Right. Well, it's a, it's wrong. a tough situation to be in too, where it's like, Hey, you lost everything. We can spend tons of billable hours, hopefully in a low percentage world, because you didn't do the things that should have been done up front. You know, I, I apologize that you're in this terrible position and I hate to tell you that it's going to be another five figures for us to hopefully maybe be able to succeed in this, but that's, yeah. you know, the, the unfortunate reality of, you know, being in the disaster recovery realm versus the proactive. We actually, I, I know I keep like sharing these things, but we, we had a client before we, we just basically put together like our package of in order to do business with us, we require this minimum level of protection because of this one client actually. Um, and she had told us that she didn't want backup. It seemed like a waste of money. And on the monitoring software, it told us that her uh, hard drive, she, we'll, we'll skip the techie details, but she had, she had one hard drive that copied onto another in case it crashed and the one crashed. So everything on her end, it looks fine, but on the tech end, it's like you had two hard drives that were bought at the exact same time and one of them just died. Good thing we had it mirrored on the other one, but you need to replace that and get a backup because the other one's going to fail. And she said, no, everything's working fine. And then 24 hours later, I get this phone call. It's not working. It's clicking. It's making all these noises, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I, I apologize that I didn't scare you enough into purchasing what you actually needed. And she had to send it to data. It would have cost $300 with us. And she had to send it to data recovery and it was like $8,000. And then she's furious at us. And I mean, I get it on her side. It's like, you should have stopped this from happening, but I can't stop like a mechanical thing from no longer working. I can just have the backup in place for when it does happen. So we've, we've kind of shifted from the, you know, letting someone that maybe doesn't know these things to pick and choose which, which type of protection is the right type of, cause she never needed backup before. So, I mean, it's a fair, why would I pay for this? I've never needed it. It's, but 
I think that's a great story. And we've learned similar things on our side with our team. Like we have a client that came to us and we told them how to implement a certain uh, piece of technology that we often implement, which happens to be NOAA file, give them a little plug. And we told them how to do it and bring historical data in. And they argued with us until we were blue in the face and they kept telling us that they wanted to do it a certain way. And so we took it and run with it. They tried for about nine months to make it happen the way they wanted. It didn't happen. We tried to step in and help them fix, you know, like write the ship. It was a, a nightmare. And I, I told this particular client not that long ago, we've learned a valuable lesson by, by not just putting our foot down and saying, we won't be involved if you choose not to take our advice because we knew how to implement that piece of technology. We shouldn't have even stepped back into the project because we knew that it was going to not go the way that you wanted it to go. And so I think, yeah, that there comes a point and, and we have to learn those lessons too as business owners, right? Like, when do I put my foot down and say, I'm sorry, I really know the best way to do this. And if you're not willing to go down that route, that's, then we're probably not a great fit, your, your firm and ours. And I think that's, that's one of the things that just, you know, as you've been in business longer and you see the headaches that you've gone through in the trying to be everything to everybody. And, you know, it's, it's great when it's great, but when it's bad, like the backfires of it going bad, yeah. you know, there have been so many projects that I've been doing upfront. I'm happy that I got the deal. And then like, while I'm doing the job, I am saying to myself, what was I thinking even trying to get this job? Like, great. It's a learning experience that I get paid to learn on, but this is, this is so incredibly just frustrating, difficult, takes a ton more time than it should. And, and it's like, maybe just sometimes someone says, Hey, you do it. Can you do this? And, and the answer is yes, I can, but that's, that's really not where we focus on. And even, you know, with, with the specialization we do with accountants, basically all we do because their compliance regulations are so high, we just blanket everything we do with accountants for everybody else. So even though, you know, the carpentry company is not bound by the IRS or needs best practices from the AICPA, we just blanket them with the same protection that we give all of our accountants. So it's like, it's way more than they like need on paper, but they're not dealing with compliance things. So it's, yeah. it fits our model of you get the accountant package, which is better than, <laughs> which is better than the, here's the generic everything to everyone. But if we tried doing a different one for everybody, it's, yeah. it works until it doesn't. And then when it doesn't, you can't go back either. And no one, None of your existing clients want to hear, hey, we changed our model and you don't fit into it. So now we're going to change everything on you. Right. No one wants to hear that either. I see right behind Monique on the little uh, uh, shelf back there behind you, Monique, the book Traction. And it's bringing to mind something because our team's doing that right now. We're going through that book and it's bringing to mind like what what exactly is our core service? What are we offering? Like really dialing that in as a business is so important. It's a great book. And there, yeah, I, this is my second time going through it. And even the second time, there's a lot to learn. Yeah. So it's a really great book. But Tanya, you were bringing back, I don't know, some memories of projects that I knew needed to get done a certain way. And I so agreed with the client, like, okay, we'll try it your way this time. And that never works. 
<laughs> I've not seen it work yet. So I have learned a lot of lessons about let's do it right the, the first time. Yeah. And I think the point is like when you're hiring a rush tech or hiring one of our firms to do the accounting, you're hiring us for a reason. If you come out and you recognize that we're the experts in our field, then, you know, recognize that we're the experts in our field and uh, here's our feedback. And again, if, if you don't have that recognition of us as experts and what we do, that's great. Find someone else that you do believe is, has more expertise than us. It's probably just not a good fit. All right. But back to the question about hesitancy, I, I have, I was just thinking about this a little bit more. If ask about what you don't know, so you don't know what you don't know, right? But if you're thinking about looking for help with a service, ask, what don't I know? Yeah. And, and start the conversation there, because if it leaves you with things to think about that you're mulling over, then that's probably a good space to be in. So you can make a really informed decision. I love that suggestion, Monique. I'm so glad that that's kind of where we're going to wrap this up and end it, because I think that's a really great way to be in life. <laughs> I just had a conversation with some people. I was at a meeting right before uh, coming back here to film this. And I, uh, someone said to me, oh, you have a business coach? And I said, well, of course, I try to surround myself with people who are smarter than me because I don't know how to do this all on my own. And I think that's a really important point. Like when you're reaching out and asking for help managing your business, Ask those people who know more than you, what is it that I should be learning? What do I not know? It's a fantastic point. Thank you. I was going to say, you know, we force like our six-year-olds to have a coach in soccer, but, but in business, it's like, nah, I got this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it's so true. Yeah. I think we all need uh, coaches in a lot of aspects. It's, it's super important. So, and mentors. And I will say, um, I sort of uh, like stumbled in to this great group of accounting mentors and uh, friends like Monique. Um, so I thank you, Monique, for having been in my life in that way and being a bit of a mentor of mine. And I'm really appreciative of this community that I have that I'm able to surround myself with of people who can tell me things that I didn't know. And Andrew, you're in that space for us as well. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be a part of. It's great to be a part of that group. And it's great to know both of you. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I think this has been a fantastic uh, podcast. I really appreciate you guys being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to Construction Junction. To find out more about the junction between accounting and construction, please email hello at theprofitconstructors.com.